Welcome to the Ship Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, October 9th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. Okay, so I kind of lied. It's not October 9th. Well, at least not as I'm recording this. It's probably October 9th for you, but it's actually October 8th right now. I'm recording this on Thursday afternoon because I'll be at a conference on Friday, but I didn't want to skip the episode altogether, so uh, here we are. Gold and silver has basically traded sideways this week. Gold has been bouncing up and down around $1,900 an ounce. Peter said he thinks we're building support around this level, which of course is the previous all-time high. And I'm inclined to agree with him on that. I don't really see anything uh, that indicates we're going to see a big drop down anytime soon. The biggest headwind for gold actually right now is the stimulus debate. Um, Trump kind of pulled the rug out from under those expecting another round of fiscal stimulus before the election when he tweeted that he was ordering his representatives to stop negotiating until after the election when, immediately after I win, we will pass a major stimulus bill that focuses on hardworking Americans and small businesses. Now, Trump later eased off the rhetoric a bit and said he would support a standalone bill, including $1,200 stimulus checks, $25 billion in airline relief, and paycheck protection program funds. I don't know if the political will exists to get anything done before the election, but at some point there is going to be more stimulus. Everybody agrees that we, quote, need it. Everybody is a Keynesian now, right? I mean, it's kind of sad, really. Republicans used to oppose government stimulus on principle, I mean, at least in rhetoric. But at this point, they've conceded the argument to the Democrats. The only debate now is how much money to spend and what exactly to spend it on. And speaking of spending, here's something that was barely mentioned in the mainstream media. I mean, I actually Googled it a few days ago, and I saw virtually nothing reported about it. The national debt surged above $27 trillion on October 1st. Now get this, the U.S. government has added over $3 trillion to the national debt this year alone. I don't know, that seems like news to me. I mean, I reported on it. I'll link to my report on the show notes page. You can find that at shiftcold.com slash news. Here's what I think most people get wrong about this. They blame the coronavirus pandemic for the surging debt. But the Trump administration was running up massive deficits before COVID-19 reared its ugly head. I mean, the proof is in the numbers. In fiscal 2019, the Trump administration ran the fifth biggest deficit in history. Through the first two months of fiscal 2020, before coronavirus, the deficit was already 12% over 2019's huge Obama-like number, and it was on track to eclipse $1 trillion. Did you know that since Trump took office, the national debt has grown by over $7 trillion? I know people generally don't see this as a problem. I'm a voice crying in the desert here. And a lot of people, they'll make fun of me. But I'm sorry. I think printing trillions of dollars is problematic. So, you know, blow me off if you want to. I'm going to keep saying that, sure, it's not a problem until it is. The main thing that I wanted to talk about today is the mess in the retail sector. I mentioned this last week, but I want to dig deeper because I think this is a significant macro trend in the economy. 
It certainly adds another nail in the coffin to the so-called V-shaped recovery I keep hearing about. If you're a regular listener to the show, you know I've been railing against this notion of a V-shaped recovery for months, so prepare for more railing. This is another thing that I think is far more significant than a lot of people seem to believe. I really started thinking about this the other day when I saw the announcement that Regal Theaters was shutting down all 536 of its U.S. locations. Now, the shutdown happened on Thursday. The company said the closures reflect, quote, an increasingly challenging theatrical landscape due to the coronavirus pandemic. Regal says the closures are temporary, but the company has not set any kind of date to reopen. Now, I posted about this on Facebook when I saw the announcement, and a number of people were kind of ho-hum about it. In fact, one guy kind of made fun of me. He said, yeah, I heard their buggy wick factory is also shutting down. Okay, fair enough. There was definitely some consumer shifting going on that was going to hurt the theater industry over the long term. But the coronavirus shutdowns put that on hyperdrive. In my mind, there's a huge difference between a gradual industry shift, you know, an industry slowly fading away, say like what we saw with the video rental industry, and shutting down an entire industry completely in one fell swoop. The Regal shutdowns will lay off some 40,000 employees. That's a huge shock to the economy. So I don't think you can just blow it off like I'm mourning the end of buggy whips. Massive layoffs like this have a trickle-down effect. That's less people earning and thus less consumption. No bueno in a consumption-based economy, right? I just don't see how you can look at things like this and say, eh, no biggie, and march on your merry way thinking the economy is about to be awesome again. And that leads to my bigger point. The economy wasn't awesome before. It's certainly not about to get awesome again. Regal is indicative of an even bigger problem in the retail sector, and I think it reflects an even bigger, bigger problem in the overall economy. Again, I acknowledge that the retail sector was struggling before the coronavirus pandemic. The government shutdowns in response to COVID-19 have sent it into a freefall. Here's the ugly reality. Retail companies are going bankrupt at a record pace. Financial advisor BDO released an overview of the U.S. retail bankruptcies and store closures through the first half of 2020. It concludes that the pandemic has exacerbated the problems already plaguing the sector. Quote, government-mandated store closures, social distancing measures, supply chain issues, and upticks in e-commerce sales have only intensified existing pain points felt by brick-and-mortar retailers, accelerating the pace of bankruptcies going into the second half of the year. So through the first six months of 2020, 18 retailers filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcies, with an additional 11 filing in July through mid-August. The pace of bankruptcies rivals 2010 in the wake of the Great Recession. Again from the BDO report, 2020 is on track to set the record for the highest number of retail bankruptcies and store closings in a single year. Based on trends set through mid-August, our expectation is that more retailers will struggle to navigate the effects of the pandemic, particularly those that are highly levered and mall-based. In addition to the bankruptcies, more than a dozen retailers, including Macy's, Bed Bath & Beyond, and Gap, have announced that they will shutter 50 or more stores, totaling a combined 4,200-plus stores. So we're talking about more people in the unemployment line, more gaps in the economy. 
Now, one could argue that the retail mess isn't solely a function of the coronavirus. The sector was in trouble before the pandemic due to heavy debt loads, changing consumer habits, and a shift to online shopping. Nevertheless, the government shutdowns have sped up this process. And when you boil it all down, the reason for the rash of store closures doesn't really matter very much to the tens of thousands of people who are about to lose their jobs. If the retail collapse continues, and there's every reason to believe that it will, it will put yet another drag on the economy as it tries to recover from the impacts of the coronavirus shutdowns, and it makes it even more difficult to maintain this myth of the V-shaped recovery. So let's take a step back and go even bigger picture. Looking back at the evolutions of the problems in the retail sector tells an even bigger story. It illuminates the pernicious effects of Federal Reserve monetary policy. In fact, this story goes all the way back to like 1999 or even before that. In 2017, Toys R Us went bankrupt. The story behind the Toys R Us bankruptcy gives us a glimpse at a fundamental problem underlying the U.S. economy long before the pandemic. Easy money created by Federal Reserve monetary policy. The ability to borrow a lot of money at low interest rates fueled borrowing and speculation. Malinvestment distorted the economy and it inflated bubbles. In a nutshell, the Fed managed to inflate and maintain a gigantic retail bubble over about two decades. Now, Toys R Us. Crushing debt pulled Toys R Us under. According to a Bloomberg report, the toy seller piled up more than $5 billion in debt and was reportedly paying more than $400 million a year just on debt service alone when it entered into bankruptcy. I'm not going to go into all the nuts and bolts, but in a nutshell, a private equity company bought Toys R Us in 2005 with mostly borrowed money, and that set it on its path toward bankruptcy. Now, The backdrop to this is that the Fed dropped interest rates in 2002 in response to the dot-com collapse. Rates were creeping back up in 2005, but they were still at extremely low, artificially low levels. The Fed wanted people to borrow and spend to stimulate the economy, the same song and dance we always hear from the Fed. And, of course, people did. Now, the equity guys that bought Toys R Us would have found it much more difficult to swing this kind of deal in a normal interest rate environment. This vividly illustrates how central bankers feed the business cycle and the unfortunate side effects of their policies. And Toys R Us is just one of many companies that did this same kind of maneuvering. All of that debt is now coming due in the retail sector. In an in-depth report that was published actually back in the fall of 2017, Bloomberg reported that $1.9 billion in high-yield retail borrowing was set to come due in 2018. And then from 2019 to 2025, the debt coming due would balloon to an annual average of almost $5 billion. Now, unsurprisingly, retail defaults reached an all-time high in the first quarter of 2018. So, yes, retail was a mess before the pandemic. The government decision to shut things down has made it an even bigger mess. And the government response to the economic impacts of the government response has been to double and triple down on the very policies that created the initial mess to begin with. 
Who knows what bubbles the central bank will pump up as it continues with QE infinity today. But there is little doubt that the long-term negative impacts on the economy are going to be every bit as bad and probably worse, given the scope of the monetary policy, as the bubble-producing monetary spigot that blew up the dot-com, the housing, and the stock market bubbles. So here's the bottom line. What we're seeing today is really a continuation of a long, winding road of economic intervention and missteps. Look big picture. They may be able to keep these bubbles pumped up for a while with even more stimulus, but you should already see that there are pricks in the bubbles. These people are pumping for all their worth to keep them blown up. You know, their arms are going to get tired at some point. When the air really starts coming out, well, yikes. So, be prepared. My advice, talk to a Shift Gold Precious Metal Specialist today. They can help you protect your wealth from this mess. Just call 1-888-GOLD-160 or you can shoot them an email at info at shiftgold.com. They can look at your specific individual situation and see how precious metals can help protect and even grow your portfolio. So, that is a gold wrap for this week. You can get all the details on these stories and more and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week at shiftgold.com slash news. And if you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap podcast on iTunes, on uh, the Shift Gold YouTube channel, Stitcher, Google Play. Links to all of this stuff is on the show notes page. I really do appreciate you listening to the show, and I will talk to you again next week.